gentlemen, welcome to Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin the Bastard. With me this week is a crunchy, munchy Mike the Skeptic. Huh? Yeah, Mike, how you doing? I'm uh, full of popcorn. Well, yeah. I didn't eat dinner yet. Okay, well, all right. Popcorn, Mike the Skeptic. It's Detective Popcorn. No. Um, <laughs> and with us, as always, is Mr. David Davis. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, but I realize I need some sort of David the Blank. David the Blank. Yeah, yeah we, we I, need some sort of filler for me there. David the Researcher, because you're the one that does the most research. Well, David, Kevin does a lot, too. But. Yeah, David the Reader. Or what about David the Scholar? Ooh. Oh, I think that I, might I be know, a little too official sounding. <laughs> How about exactly. scholarly Dave? David, David the, the nerd. perpetually exhausted Ooh, from David reading. the nerd. Oh, there you go. But that we're all nerds, so yeah. But like, still, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not technically a bastard, so. I mean, well, no, I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. I am. David, how is your parents thing? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm technically the only bastard here. That's true. I, as far as I'm concerned, mm. yes. If your parent, yeah, if I you think, were born yeah. in wedlock, I was not. So I am. I, w- I was not born in wedlock. You were. So. Oh, wow. oh wow! I was not. I, so, so we're both, the bastard yeah, is the, the only, only the only bastard. <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> Kevin wow. needs a new name. I do not. I'm Kevin good. the not bastard. <laughs> I'm a. Uh, I'm a bastard. Kevin of the loving family. Uh, uh, that's, Actually, that's not. a stretch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a hell of a stretch, man. Loving is such a strong word for what my parents did. <laughs> I, I knew his parents. I'd call it more of a toleration. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a too poor to divorce. Resignation to their fate. <laughs> my family Kevin that long... keeps the family together. Yes. <laughs> oh man! Wow! Now I feel great. Okay. <laughs> Guilt. <clears throat> yeah, Kevin the guilty. So, uh, I meant your you know, parents not breaking up out of. Oh, concern. right. Yes. Okay, that's fair. So, today we have a great subject that we're going to tackle. But first, I had said that if you review the show, we will in fact read the reviews on the air. Now we have got six reviews up on iTunes, and which is, I, I think the only place that allows you to review it, podcasts like in the. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. So, we've got three, and I'll just go ahead and read these to you guys, and we can comment on them as we go, if that's all right. Sure. Mm-hmm. We're going to get this out of the way right up top, because I want to make sure people hear these. Are all you right. going in any order, specifically? or um, Just, just <clears throat> from top to bottom, as they are in the okay. document. <clears throat> so, Bobby11D. Mm-hmm. One star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These two guys haven't read any books on what they're talking about and then proceed to tell the listeners that the author is crazy or whatever. This show is not very good. So it says these two guys. So that must have been from when it was just you and me. Or me and David. <clears throat> or you and but, David. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking it's the Bob Lazar episode or the David Icke episode which was both me mm-hmm. and the fact that they say we've never well I didn't obviously but you have read I have read and or it could now that I think about it, be Graham Hancock which is also <laughs> you and me yeah I have read a lot of Graham Hancock okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have 
attempted to read David Icke several times. But I don't think in that we really directly talked about the book. No, I we just that was just straight up his life story and character assassination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I think most likely in order of who what episode it was about, I think it was most likely about Bob Lazar because he uh-huh. has like a lot of like people that like, believe him. Like put it to you this way, I was on a, a comedy website and someone posted a video of Bob Lazar talking, and like there was a flame war in the comments. Oh yeah, between pe- <laughs> true believers and people, you know, saying, "Oh, this guy doesn't know shit." So, I think that was the most likely. Then probably, yeah. uh David Ike. Yeah, yeah, because I his I, believers I, are rabid. Yeah, I, I can't see. Yeah. Uh, Graham Hancock I, having that many because also believer I didn't really fanboys. I didn't really shit on Graham Hancock true because I'm a fan I still read his stuff I still find his stuff fascinating but uh, Ike is a danger to the world mm-hmm. so all right the next one is also how you like that whole thing about us uh, not doing research that's what I mean it's yeah like- yeah, I love the idea of David sitting here going through so many sources like, these guys don't do any research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that was definitely someone butthurt about our topics. Oh, oh yes. So the mm-hmm. next one is Karuki! Exclamation point. Yay. One star. Oh. Ah. <laughs> it's absolutely wrenching to listen to a pair of idiots ramble for clicks. What what clicks? What clicks? I mean, <laughs> you're exactly. already listening. And also a pair, so this was, again, you know, more than episodes from, what, more than a year ago? Yeah. Well, a year, yeah. Yeah, it's probably, uh, hell, it could have been an episode with me and David talking about uh, <clears throat> big feats and sweaty men's or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Who knows? But yeah, you know, older episodes, didn't try the newer ones, that's fine, you know. Well, Thank you well, for and, your and, reviews. Well, and here, here's the thing. You know, a, a podcast generally, like ninety percent of the time, is a pair of idiots rambling. So, uh, yeah. What podcast are you listening to other than, like, say, Unsolved Mysteries or uh, Lore? I I dare say you're not listening to a supernatural podcast to get relevant and salient facts. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple I listen to that. Yes, I am. But nonetheless, uh, our last one. Spooky Dice Bag. Woo! Five stars. Aw, shit. This show is well-researched, and the hosts are not only funny, but willing to call out the shortcomings surrounding many of these topics while being able to keep everything entertaining. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you for that Spooky Dice Bag. we in no way paid for that... Review. Hang on, let me get my quiet, wallet. Quiet, quiet. I gotta get my wallet. No, uh, thank you for that. I do appreciate it. And honestly, thank you for the one-star reviews. I don't give a fuck. I've, mm-hmm. I've used uh, the title of one of those as an ad. Uh, I have also said, like, um, yeah, I've, I've been using it for advertising on Twitter. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But yeah, uh, anyway, thank you. Uh, Remember, if you leave a review on iTunes, we will read it on the show at the top. So everyone will know. So don't forget, 
five star review where you so, look like a jerk. So so <laughs> based on these three reviews, we're at about a what? Probably uh, two. two and a half. Two and a half star. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. So yeah, we're 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 shit. We're Yay. hey, hey man. Hey. Hmm. They listened though. Yeah. yeah. Well so they say they did anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that being said, David, this week it's one of yours, and we're talking about the dead internet theory, correct? Yes, we are. The but, dead internet theory. So this is something I know absolutely nothing about. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Awesome. Mike's going in blind. Now, now well, see, this seems like it would be a Mike subject. It. it I mean, it I might does. be familiar with the subject matter, but I've never heard it framed as a theory. Mm. Okay. This isn't about the dark web, is it? Uh, it no, it's mentioned really like, once or twice, but it's not really yeah. about the dark web. Yeah, so um, should I just go ahead and start diving into it? Hell Might yeah, well. man. Let's do it. <clears throat> okay. Entertain so, us. <clears throat> all right. So, as always, I like to talk about the research done because, like, we do read books and, and such like that. Uh, there aren't so... There aren't so many books on this subject yet because it's kind of like an online meme sort of theory right now. It's yeah, it's um, also like a relatively recent uh, mm-hmm. development as far as the conspiracy theory world goes. Yeah, because I, I searched like uh, we have like at least ten to fifteen databases attached to the college that I work out yeah. uh, that I work at, and like I couldn't really find much in the way of dead internet theory articles from like professional publications that are like peer-reviewed journals right so unfortunately a little bit more of the research here is based on like websites but i tried to like you know point out like okay well obviously this isn't a great source but it is you know so on and so forth so uh let me go and dive into this yeah so i i have many of them and they're going to be made available in the outline we publish along with the episode um that being said, I have a handful that I want to mention up front because they are most important to shaping the overall narrative here. Absolutely. Now, my primary source for explaining the concept of today's episode is Caitlin Tiffany's Maybe You Missed It, But the Internet Died Five Years Ago, published in The Atlantic in August of 2021. And I will say I've actually read this article, and it's a great breakdown of the concept. So uh, after the show... Definitely check it mm-hmm. out. Again, we'll have the outline linked in the show notes for the podcast. Yeah, and it's probably the most influential article on this list because it kind of filters the raw insanity of the second source that I'm going to mention. So right. the article pulls heavily from a post in January 2021 on Agora Rhodes Macintosh Cafe by a user named Illuminati Pirate titled Dead Internet Theory, Most of the Internet is Fake. Mm -hmm. All right. So this post is generally credited as the first major published exploration of the concept, and I'm going to talk about that post a lot in this episode. Okay, that's fair. I just want to say that as a new Discordian, I don't know that I can trust a dude with a name like Illuminati Pirate. (laughs) Um, so uh, another source that will play out more in a future episode, because again, I don't do these things like one and done. I tend to stretch them out because there's a lot to talk about. Um, this article was fundamental to my interest in the overall topic. And it is James Bridle's medium post. Something is wrong on the internet from November of 2017. Say that again. 
Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I think as a great primer, I can't praise It's All Fake, The Dead Internet Theory by The Y-Files Enough. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This video was published in uh, March of this year, and all hail Hecklefish. Yes, uh, I am a huge <laughs> fan of the channel, and uh, I'm just going to say it's always it's always lizard people. Lizard people. The lizard okay. people. You're always going okay. them lizard people. I know. <laughs> all <laughs> right, so before we dive into this idea that the internet that we know it is actually dead, I want to talk about ye old internet, and that's old with an E at the end. Ye old internet shoppy. Ye internet shoppy. Ye old, yes. <laughs> exactly. So um, I want to talk about the internet that was, specifically what we remember from the early days of the internet pre-2000. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go first. I'll talk about my first experience. So my own first exposure to the internet was web TV. Oh, God. Yeah, I think around 1997 or 1998, I didn't own the hardware, but the family that watched my brother and I after school did have the hardware. Okay. So, mm -hmm. for me, the highlight was being able to go to Nintendo.com and see if there were upcoming video game announcements. And then later, uh, I would try to get on the internet when I could, and I had like my first email address at 11 or 12. Oh, wow. Look, Christ, I'm old. I know. You make me feel <laughs> like... Because... Uh, because 97, 98, I was like 20, 21. Yeah, I'm sitting here going, I first discovered the internet when I was a man. <laughs> but uh, I know mine was going to a friend's house and uh, going to pretty much any URL I could think of because he had internet at the time. And this is around like 96, 97 or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the early ones I used to go to was Joel Hodgson's Gizmonics.com. Uh, when it was the ant site and uh, it was like a black site with white text and graphics and it was just done like an uh, a, an ant farm hmm. and uh, you would like quote crawl through the tubes to get to the different pages and everything and uh, he said I did it but and it said on the site we're making black on white so you're not getting shot in the face with a cathode rays uh, laser constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I actually got online myself in '99 or so because of Yahoo Chat, mm. which is sad and old. <laughs> and uh, then I discovered web comics by accident. And uh, I it's funny I typed in Thundercats.com and for some reason that one time and only that one time it redirected to SluggyFreelance.com. <laughs> and uh, I'm still actually kind of friends with Pete Abrams. Oh, we should have him on. I will have to contact him and yeah. see if he yeah. has any interest. There you so, go. So Kevin and I have very similar experiences because we were, you know, mm -hmm. friends at the time and probably mm -hmm. went to the same now, friend's no, house. But, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I think we both kind of got our first real computers at the same time, too. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. we both got them from Scott, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We had a friend that was, uh, he was in IT and, like, as a side hustle, he would take kind of older... Uh, equipment and re refurbish them, put windows on it. You know, He'd re could jigger it. Yeah, sell it to his friend. So, like, I had a, you know, 200 megahertz Cirix, not even Intel CPU, a Cirix processor. Yeah. Running Windows 95. And, oh boy. I remember <laughs> when the first, when somebody we knew got a one gig hard drive, we lost our shit. 
dude. Oh I, shit, dude. Yeah, I remember that sort of that sort of thing. No, I yeah, my I think my first hard drive was like five hundred megs or something yeah, like that. Mine was like but, uh like two fifty or so, something. So early on, like I before the two thousands, I actually started like getting on eBay and shit. And I got mm. my first I think one of the first upgrades to that computer was a uh, a quantum Bigfoot hard drive, which was <laughs> like I think it was three gigs or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, no. You this were was, the hot shit. This, this was a hard drive that was like the size of a CD-ROM drive. Mm-hmm. It was a, you know, five-inch yeah. hard drive. And, yeah, no. But, yeah, I was, you know, going on eBay and uh, downloading a lot of uh, Quake mods that I never actually played. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> oh, and let's not forget friggin' uh, uh, Napster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, going on uh, Napster, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you know, peer-to-peer was the new... Mm-hmm. And the we new still have shit. some of those fucking MP3s. Oh, yeah, I still mm-hmm. have a lot of MP3s from uh-huh. back in the day. <clears throat> but, yeah, no, if, uh, if you don't remember, or anyone out there has never had to deal with dial-up, ooh, oh, boy, oh, man. Those, those were the dark times. Oh, oh man. That, that's triggering. That's yeah, triggering. You get online, you're like, I'm going to download a picture. Now I'm going to go to the store, and maybe it won't well, choke up by the time I get uh, back. Pictures weren't so bad. <laughs> At my house with a oh, modem okay. that was struck by lightning? Yeah, no, so Kevin like had really shitty internet for a long time, and even, you know, we never could figure it out, and it turns out that he had like some weird old ass phone lines that were just like strangling his mm-hmm. dial. Oh, like he would get, you know, it was supposed to be a 56 K modem and he would get like 12 K or something Whoa. really pathetic. Yeah. And even after replacing that modem, it was still bad. I think they eventually had to replace your whole, like, Oh whole yeah. Run, like they're yeah, run. Dude, from they the had to replace to the trunk. Oh, the trunk. Really? Yeah. They had to replace <clears> the trunk out on Terry road. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, so porn for Kevin at that age was... Porn didn't <laughs> happen. I was still using fucking JCPenney catalogs. Well, I mean, porn for you in the early internet age. Oh, yeah, okay, that's fair. Like, you wanted to uh, look at a porn image, you would start the download and go, like... Turn the uh, monitor off take, and then go do something. Take a dump and then come back and hopefully it's done. Yeah. <clears throat> this just got real. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just thinking of words we could use to trigger the olds who listen to this, you know... Netscape Navigator. Oh. Yeah. oh. Dial up internet. IRC. You've got mail. Oh god. Geo Cities. <laughs> Angel Fire. Ate my balls. News groups. <laughs> E-bombs world. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. You feel so, old yet? Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, and um like I I I'm like a later internet generation. But not by much. No. Yeah, no, not by much. You were there, uh, God, I mean, I, I met you way back when Drunk Duck was new. Yeah, I think probably around 2004. Somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know, we have our experiences. We remember the internet of old. Yes. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> let's talk about what the internet is, or at least what the intention of it was. <clears throat> yeah. Now... I am working with Brief History of the Internet from InternetSociety.org. Um, and, you know, the history of uh, and the development of the Internet is pretty complicated, and there's a lot of depth to it. Yes. So uh, I'm not going to get everything. 
you know, no, no. spoiler oh, yeah, alert. Is, I'm not covering every single thing. This is, this is a brief overview. Yeah. A brief but, history of internet time. Yep. <laughs> but the first concept of a network of social interactions that would lead to the internet was a series. It was put in a series of memos by JCR Licklitter. Okay. Um, that's a really lighter lick lighter. Let's go with Licklitter because that's yeah. funnier. Yeah. I, I think it'd be I. You know, looking at the looking at the spelling. Look lighter. Look lighter. Look lighter. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> JC uh, JCR Lick Lighter wrote these memos uh, back in MIT in August of 1962 under the term of uh, he called this thing a galactic net uh, network, um, and it was envisioned to be a global network of computer uh, connected computers where data could be exchanged. Okay. So All everybody right. remember when we time travel into the past, this is the guy you kill. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I think he ultimately did us a good, but like yeah. that's probably changing. Yeah. Um, give it another 10 years before we decide if he's on the time travelers hit list. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so um, Licklider was the first head of computer research at DARPA in October of 1962. So in August, he publishes this, me- uh, this memo at MIT. Mm-hmm. By October that year, he is now the first head of computer research at DARPA. Well, someone saw his publications and thought, this is a man with a vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was at DARPA where the Internet would begin to take shape. So this is this is early 60s. So, you know, this we're talking like a handful of computers at the time. Yeah, like, like mm-hmm. five. Yeah. You know, probably. Yeah. Well, a little more than that. But, yeah, it was yeah. still like every it major colleges. Yeah. Every major college probably had a big mainframe. And, you know, there were a couple of government mainframes, mm-hmm. you know, big, the big agencies all had their own. And so, yeah, a, a network of those is not, I think the only real... It's not unfeasible. It's not unfeasible, except for, I do remember uh, seeing a thing about, you know, the creation of the internet. One of the big things is coming up with actual interconnect hardware, because you got to think, mm-hmm. you know, these computers, yeah, they can talk to each other in the same room, but when you're talking hundreds of miles... Mm-hmm. There's a lot more of a challenge. Like, you know, there's a reason one of the, the first interconnect was phone lines because one, it was already there, mm-hmm. and two, it was you know relatively easy to make a computer talk over that versus you know yeah what are you gonna do run dedicated de- data lines which we finally did yeah, but, yeah you know, now well but at the time different. it was kind of a crazy <laughs> why idea. would you do something that foolish so i wonder what they're <laughs> i'd have to read this thing to find out what their actual interconnects were because i'd be pretty interested in that maybe just like backbone uh telecom stuff maybe I'd have, I'd, I, i'm interested in reading that now just to find yeah. out what it was well, there's a I, there's a link yeah, i know I, I think we'll cover a little bit of that in here. Not, not yeah. again, not in too much depth and everything like that but um all right we're gonna skip forward a few years to 1967 mm-hmm. okay ARPANET. Lots of hippies, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, at uh, MIT and the like. Okay, so ARPANET, not DARPA. ARPA. ARPANET was beginning to form with the first official node on the network arriving in 1969 at UCLA. Oh, yeah, hippies. So, okay, Mm -hmm. so five years to, you know, basically build out or, you know, conceptualize and start building a uh, at least nationwide network of some form. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it would begin with and college campuses and universities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were governments as well. And uh, I think within the next decade or so, you started having like major businesses start kind of developing their own 
connections. Um, so at this time, what we may consider the internet was a centralized series of protocols, but it became important that for this to expand, multiple independent networks of different designs would need to be able to interface, thus the open architecture network. Is that what ARPA stands for? Or what? Hmm. Okay. I, I don't necessarily know what ARPA like as far as um, like the difference between ARPA and DARPA. I'm not quite sure. I think it's the it's D. The, so yeah, so well, ARPA yeah, oh, okay, is the, obviously it's the fucking D. <laughs> yeah, well, the, it's the Advanced Research Project Agency, but the D I believe stands for uh, defense. Defense, yeah. So, okay. So ARPA is basically you know includes civilian projects. Oh, okay. Where DARPA okay. is all oh, about military. Go, okay. <clears throat> Neat. Okay. Thank you. Of course yeah. it's the fucking D, you asshole. <laughs> it all comes down to the D. <laughs> Everybody wanted the D. Okay, so um, what we see as the World Wide Web, the polished, uh, with like quotes around that, viewer-friendly <laughs> interface for exploring the internet was developed by Tim Berners-Lee at CERN in 1991. Right. This is also where <laughs> hyperlinks first appeared, allowing for data to be accessed much more readily. And I want to throw in... We should probably mention the influence of Douglas Adams here, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of early internet terminology, uh, including hyperlinks, came from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and well, also you know Monty Python. There's yeah. a reason it's called spam. Well, I, I think that mostly comes from the fact that it was created by nerds. Yes, and nerds no. had read Douglas the Hitchhiker's Adams. Guide. Yes. And so when Absolutely. they were creating, you know, a network protocol, they were like, "It's like the know, guide. The it's like the sub Ethernet. Yeah, it's like the sub Ethernet. Yes, exactly. Ethernet. Yeah. So when we're talking about the difference between the internet and the World Wide Web, the internet is just like that, uh, uh-huh. like that so, network, and then the World Wide Web is what we're actually seeing. So yeah. So, yeah, so the, the the internet is what the web is on. So the internet is the hardware, basically the actual mm-hmm. nuts and bolts of the network. Yeah, the network, and the computers. The, the World Wide Web is the software, basically the website. The front the, end. The, yeah, the, the uh, browsers and all that. Basically, all the data. The internet is the hardware. The World Wide Web is everything else, all the user experience right. and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You never really see the internet. You see the web, technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. And that's when people talk about the dark web, what they're talking about is like the stuff that you don't normally see on the World Wide Web because it's like looking into like the internet <laughs> side of things where it's just raw databases and stuff on networks and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, you know, dark web is basically just, you know, you, so you go into your, browser right and at the address Mm -hmm. bar you can type in you know from there you can get to anything that's the that's the world wide web the dark web is basically you have to go through secure portals to get to basically the and you know there's multiple dark webs tor is the most notorious Mm -hmm. one right which i have to say i saw an article today that said uh iranian usage of the tor network has jumped by like 800 percent in the last week Oh, I bet. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have actually set up dedicated uh, tour nodes for Iranians to get on because their government is blocking access to the regular web. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
that, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a cool implement, implementation of basically what a lot of people think is just something for sex and drugs. Mm-hmm. Not that it's not used for that, but oh, still. It's, oh, obviously, but that's just, you know, that's humans. We'll use yeah. heck, the early internet before there was really, you know, any kind of oversight or the ISPs give a shit was used for sex and drugs. Yeah, are we going to talk mm-hmm. about uh, Silk ASCII Road boobs? Well, you know, I'm just talking about like Silk Road and, you know, mm-hmm. there were like some early sites that were like basically, uh, what's what's the term I'm looking for? Not prostitute, but the nicer version Escorts. Uh, Escort, yeah, escorts, escort websites yes. and stuff like that. I wish <clears throat> Encrypt was on here today because he could tell us about uh, downloading ASCII porn. Oh, yeah, ASCII porn. I've <clears throat> From heard. BBSs. Luckily, I, that was, you know... That was gone by the was, time we got Yeah, there. I just had, you know, highly dithered GIFs of, you know, and I say GIF, you can bite me if you were a <laughs> GIF person. Tell me, do you Wait, believe in GIF person. person? If you're a GIF person. <laughs> so do you believe in Jod? Yes, and I also um, believe in giraffes. Or giraffes, if you're one of them assholes. <laughs> yeah, giraffes. But no, uh, oh, yeah, let, some... me go, let me go water my geranium. Yeah. Mm. This is a good joke. Oh, yes, God. of course. I mean, look, to my to my thing, it's like, if you understand what someone's saying, it doesn't matter which way they pronounce Agreed. it. Agreed. Yeah, 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 I know, <clears throat> I know. So, you know, calling the 91 version of internet as polished, I also have a little... Well, that, that's why I put quotes in that. Yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. was who was very raw and wild west. It mm-hmm. was nice though. I enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, in a way, but you couldn't find shit. Like unless you come across, like we had Alta Vista. <sighs> yeah, that was it. it was dog it wasn't shit. until Google <clears throat> uh, kind of Look, redefined the search algorithm that like the internet. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason everybody flocked to Google when it first came out. It because, worked. Yes, it worked. <laughs> it was better than fucking. Remember, uh, what is were those uh, web rings? Oh, or gopher? Christ. Gopher. God, oh, I miss web man. rings, dude. Yeah. Well, you know, let's I mean, make were, a web ring. They were an interesting, you know, <laughs> social experiment. But as far as finding anything, I mean, technically, yeah. so is an orgy. You would you'd have to find the first node on the ring to even and, and even finding that was you know you happen to be you know on a okay well, BBS what if, or a forum or something is okay like, but what if you googled a web ring well you know in the early days yes but, you know web <laughs> rings just kind of <laughs> farted out once Google yeah. was that's 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 the joke now, now should we be calling it Jugal? Jugal. It yes. is Jugal. Wait, that sounds kind of anti-Semitic. Let's move it on. It does. Yeah, let's move on from that. Let's skip. So. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so uh, as far as we consider the internet to be, it has three components as explained in a Vox article titled The Internet Explained by Timothy B. Lee, published in 2015. A little late for that, I think. Right. So uh, what is dubbed the, quote, last mile is how we are talking right now. This is the connections of homes and small businesses to the Internet. This includes the cable companies providing access and the towers for wireless connection, that sort of thing. Okay. The last mile being the thing that connects to us. Your home Internet or your, you know, cell phone. Right, 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 right. Now, the next... Oh, uh, the next level down would be the data centers that host the sites and apps. I'd argue where this is most of what we consider to be the the current Internet to be, because this is where the most of I most of our ideas about like the idea of regulation and standards comes into play. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Uh, like, let me know if you sound like if this sounds like bullshit, but uh, this is I, what I, my I, understanding of it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, lastly, at the deepest level would be described as what we would call, quote, the backbone, which is the long distance connections between data centers and consumers and these larger uh, these larger networks that connect. Right. So I have a little this. I think this is a little obtuse, an obtuse way to put the connections. I would say um, one, it, it leaves out your like. I mean, you have the last mile, but the last mile is part of the network. You can think of it as two, really two parts. You have mm -hmm. the computers and you have the network. Your computers are your computer and servers that hold the data for websites. And then the network is just everything that connects the two, be it well, your, okay. your last mile connection or the backbone. I think they're all just kind of one thing. Right, but this article is trying to like put it into like little. Yeah, but I think it it compartmentalizes a little too much. Okay, well, I okay. Because because I mean, you could separate your your device and the servers as two different devices, but I think calling the last mile and the backbone separate things because the backbone isn't just one thing, because there are multiple. That's the problem with uh, what was it where there was a big thing about you know uh Netflix the uh the prioritizing different data packets, the oh, backbone, right, right, right. there isn't just one mm -hmm. backbone. It's multiple backbones controlled by multiple companies. And one of the things like several years ago was a problem was there was worry that, uh, certain companies could pay to have backbones prioritize their data over, uh, you know, other data. So like if say Netflix mm -hmm. wanted to, you know, pay ma major backbone providers to have priority access to the back backbones that service, you know, most of America, mm -hmm. for instance, they could easily uh, squeeze out up and coming players in the, you know, space. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to think, what was the legislation that really fair use, not fair use? No, there was a, I can't remember I, now. I, I remember what you're talking about. I can't remember yeah. the specific one for the life. Yeah, uh, net right. neutrality, net neutrality. Right, net neutrality. Yeah, that's that's, what, there for that's, a that's while. what net neutrality was all about, is yeah. that every packet on the internet, and a packet is just a bundle of data, that's how you send and receive data on the internet. It's packet. How do you all think packets of it? are equal. You can think of it as an envelope. You know, mm -hmm. in the envelope is the stuff you're sending. Your computer basically packs it up in an envelope, sends it off, and when it gets to its... And everything in between doesn't care what's in the packet. It just ignores the packet and hands it off, just like, you know, the mail does until it gets to the other home, you, you know, your destination. Or it gets to Jackson and it gets lost. Well, yeah. But <clears throat> so in net neutrality, basically codified that, that all packets are created equal. It's, well, it's which is interesting. It was interesting because that's one of the few, like, legislation things about the internet that actually like worked and people followed it. Cause we're going to find out that like, there's no real authority over the internet. Yeah. And so that basically it only, obviously legislation like that only covers really, you know, how its jurisdiction it's, you know, right. the country it's in. So that net neutrality for you with the United States only covers, uh, providers and companies that are in the United States or doing business in the United States. So, right. you know, all the backbone provides, but a lot of other countries also passed net neutrality, but, mm -hmm. and in, in, in their instances, and also that covers the links. So like, say, mm -hmm. you know, the Amer America has net neutrality. Okay. So not America, United States 
because, you know, mm-hmm. be specific. The United States has net neutrality and say France has net neutrality. Well, that means all the internet connects between those two countries are also neutral. But, mm-hmm. you know, any connection from the United States to say China, obviously they're free to do whatever they want. So mm-hmm. they, you know, the great firewall eats all data. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> now, Speaking of uh, governing bodies, David, you were going to move on to that, I think? Oh, okay, sure. So um, because of this decentralized network, the Internet does not really have any regulatory bodies and anything but spirit. Any connections and standards are voluntary giving, you know, given an FCC issue or two that develops. Right. So the best sort of answer to who runs the whole thing that we can muster is the Internet Engineering Task Force which is an open organization that makes suggestions. Generally, uh, you know, their guidance is accepted, but the data centers and cable companies are not forced to listen to this organization. Right. Now, secondly, there is the Internet Corporation of Assigned Names and Numbers, also known as ICANN. I've had to deal with these people as Mm -hmm. a webmaster. Mm -hmm. They are generally responsible for the distribution of domains and IP addresses, but that's about it. They're basically just kind of giving you an ID number in the larger network so you can be found. So, you know, traditionally, both of those were uh, American based, but there's Mm -hmm. been a lot of uh, obviously international as more and more countries, the Internet became more central to their, you know, well, you know, their livelihoods. They've had more of a stake in the Internet, so they've move to be more included in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess ideally those two kinds of organizations would be completely international, but you know, at at least they seem to be, both of those seem to be not for profit, I guess. Yeah. Or at least they're, they're consortiums where there's so many players that no, no one ideology seems to be able to, you know, force it in a direction right mm-hmm. and also on top of this i just want to throw in that uh i don't want to really get started on uh domain squatting mm. but that's like how i've been most familiar with these guys uh i can is because one of my domains from when i was younger expired and before i could even try to re-register it someone is now squatting it for like three thousand dollars well, that's mm. that's less of I can. That's, that's I know. Their, I know. That's the but policy that's, of basically if your domain expires. I know. You know I was <laughs> the dipshit in this yeah. situation. Like, I, I think that. that was that was one once. I even told you, hey, your your shit's expiring. You should yeah. probably renew it. And you're like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I think now that, you miss it, don't you? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So you know, word to the wise: don't let your domains expire. And I have not. Mm-hmm. There you, you go. Know, if you don't think you're using, because they're, generally they're pretty cheap. These days, yeah. yes. You know, even well, even back then, like it was, unless, it was real. Cheap. Unless you have a really popular one, I can, I can itself is cheap. But if you right. get a squatter, yeah, that's when it gets expensive. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, a third organization is the World Wide Web Consortium. Uh, you might, if you've ever done like HTML or CSS or anything like that, you mm-hmm. might think of uh, W3C. Yes. Um, especially if you're trying to learn how to do those internet programming language. Um, oh God. They're a lot like the IETF in that they can make suggestions, but nobody is really forced to adopt them. It's still in their best interest. If you're, and yeah. it's mostly the ones that have to worry about that are like the uh, makers of browsers. Yeah, and uh, I think Tim Berners-Lee is also partly responsible for the W3 he is. consortium. He yeah. is. Uh, and 
like I said, it's it's the browsers, and it used to be a lot more of a problem uh, than it is now, you know, because Internet Explorer was much more compliant with that. Well, actually, no, uh, Internet Explorer wasn't as compliant because, like, uh, in, say, uh, Netscape, you could have flashing text. Mm-hmm. But Internet Explorer ignored that tag. Yeah, I remember every time I'd program a website, I always have to have some sort of like workaround for the Internet Explorer engine mm-hmm. versus like everything else because Internet yep. Explorer always seemed to kind of like lag behind. Yeah, and that's still kind of a thing, you know, not as bad, but you still have to like double check your um, your compatibility with different browsers. Yeah. Um, you know, so in a lot of ways, what we know is the Internet, especially from a while back, was basically like a frontier. Yes, it was very uh, Wild West-ish. It was mm-hmm. uh, quite insane. So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I Go was ahead. just going to say, we had a lot of, uh, I mean, there were no laws. You could do pretty much anything you wanted, uh, Like, and, and everybody had a website. That, that would have been a great, like, uh, T-shirt. There were no laws on the internet back in the day. There were like no that. laws, and everybody had a website. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, what's going on with the internet of today? Well, uh, I know it involves a lot of stepbrothers and sisters. <laughs> you need um, to reset your algorithm, my friend. <laughs> I really do. I'm just saying it's got a lot of, like, people getting stuck in dryers. I don't know. It's, it's the corpos, man. The corpos got yep. us by the balls. Uh, is mm-hmm. this is this a reference to uh, uh, some William Gibson stuff? Well, you know, the corpos are a cyberpunk, you yeah, know, okay. aesthetic. But <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it's basically the corporations. They realized they could make money, so mm-hmm. they started buying chunks or staking out chunks of the internet. Right. Not really. I guess they did buy some of them, but also they be, they like Google. They just set up you know, their own section that became popular mm-hmm. and use that to grow their, yeah. you know, mind Well, share. Mike, Mike, you're actually pretty close on this. Yeah. So uh, we are kind of talking about, like, the heart of uh, cyberpunk, especially when it comes to, like, networks here. Yeah. So as for where we are today, I'm going to quote from an article titled 404 Page Not Found, The Internet Feeds on Its Own Dying Dreams. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Written by Kate Wagner for The Baffler in 2019. The Baffler just sounds like a guy that breaks into your fucking bathroom. (laughs) Okay, so, quote, Writing in 2008, the new media scholar Geert Lovink separated internet culture into three periods. First, the scientific, pre-commercial, text-only period before the World Wide Web. Second, the euphoric, speculative period in which the internet opened up for a general audience, culminating in the late 1990s dot-com mania. Third, the post-dot-com crash post-9-11 period, which is now coming to a close with the Web 2.0 mini-bubble. We need to pour one out for the pets.com dog. You know, the (laughs) sock puppet that even had a wristwatch on. I'm just saying, like, if we're going to talk about the, the dot-com bubble, we need to pour one out for Pets.com. Do you, did you know who was the voice actor for the uh, the puppet? The, I, I don't. Michael Ian Black. Holy shit! From the state? Yes. Oh, my God. That's awesome. 
For those my age, this tripartite history of the net begins at number two with the anarchic, sprawling 90s net followed by the post-9-11 pre-iPhone variety, including the blogosphere and the fulcrum moment that was MySpace, and ending with today's app-driven hyper-conglomerate social media net. So I would argue that the a lot of the old internet is still there. It's just all the, what'd you call that? So, so up until the mid two thousands, you basically, if you were on the internet, you were a nerd of some form. <laughs> you were, you were, you were a geek. You were not, <clears throat> you were, you're at some, in some ways, even slightly technically inclined. Mm-hmm. So once the iPhone came out, it basically democratized access to the internet and it basically destigmatized it too. So you basically mm-hmm. everybody was, you know, online, you know, your grandma is your, online, your grandma, your, your favorite celebrity and everything. So, but there's still those corners out there. I, I don't think they replaced the well, old internet. I mean, in some I, ways those things died out. Some of them did, but they all, but they, they, you know, brought new bits to the internet for better or more likely worse. Well, I see, I I don't know if this person uh, is claiming that like it's been replaced, but the idea is that these like app driven hyper conglomerate social media sites tend to try to lock you in into an ecosystem between these adjacent apps like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. But, but I would say most of their users are, you know, not, old web would would not have used the old web anyway i'd say 90 percent mm. of their users are you know this grandma or you know the, yeah the you know popular girl that would would thought you know touching you know a computer is like a nerd thing well it, it's funny you say that because based on this theory that we're going to talk about um that's probably not the case they're probably robots so, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that. Yeah, we're, we're going to get there. So, so, I, so, I, you know, Kevin and I, me more than Kevin, I think, um, have co- pretty much constantly used uh, something awful's forums. Yeah. Since the early 2000s. And while younger people aren't coming to it as much as they used to, it's still a pretty vibrant community. They, they call it the dead gay forums, but they're <laughs> not that dead. And well, they're not that gay. Well, it, it, it sounds like a retirement home on a cruise ship. Yeah. It's a retirement home for people that you really didn't want to run into in the old internet, actually. <laughs> but, but I mean, I guess this kind of fits into the subject because you mm-hmm. know, something awful was the, the, the progenitor. Progen- yeah. The progenitor of, such things as memes. Yeah. Yeah. Memes, and, let's and, plays. I mean, something awful kind of fathered and mothered the early internet and the modern internet. I think the only part of the new quote, new internet that replaced the old internet would be Reddit. Reddit took the place of a lot of forums and like uh, and 4chan. I would say 4chan as well. Yeah. For, for, the, the, for, the, chan, the chan board in general. Hey, you want yeah. you want your mind blown? Do you know why uh, 4chan and in turn Reddit exist? Because they used uh, they were people who jettisoned off of uh, 
uh, something awful. They were banned. The low tax banned people for posting lowly con. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's where Reddit came from, but that's definitely where Reddit 4chan came, came Reddit from. came from 4chan. Ah. Uh, yeah. Well, wow. Okay. Reddit came from people <laughs> that couldn't hack it on 4chan. Yeah, pretty much. Right. So um, I'm going to go ahead and move us forward here a yes. little bit. Because, yeah. um, okay. So I'm glad that we're all very passionate about the subject because, yeah, there is something <laughs> very wrong with the internet. Yeah. And at least the three of us can see this. Absolutely. Um, so, so today's internet feels less like an assemblage of oddities and more like a guided tour through curated experiences where we begin to experience things in cycles. And this is very much like what you would get if you got on the internet in the old days via an AOL browser. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would, I would argue that's just the new internet. Yeah. If you go off yeah, the yeah. rails. Yeah, no, and, if, if you were to throw the spear and get off the thing where they're singing whalers on the moon, yes, it's still out there. But for the most part, yeah. the Wild West is just, you know, underground now. No, no, nobody's saying like the old Internet is gone. It's just it's now just, instead of web comics, it's known as webtoons. Yeah, that fair. sort of thing. Yeah. So um, I, I'm going to go ahead and quote Caitlin Tiffany from The Atlantic. This is that article that I said was mm-hmm. kind of the the main operator here so quote most weeks twitter is taken over by an argument about how best to practice uh, practice personal hygiene or which cities have the worst food and air quality which somehow devolves into allegations of classism and accusations of murder for which whatever reason is actually not as offensive as classism anymore <laughs> a celebrity is sorry a music video has broken the internet a meme has gotten popular and then boring Benefer might be back on, and no one's more excited than Twitter. At this point, you could even say that the point of the theory is so obvious, it's cliched people talk about longing for the days of weird web design and personal sites and listservs all the time. Even Facebook employees say they miss the old internet. The big platforms do encourage their users to make the same conversations and arcs of feeling and cycles of outrage happen over and over, so much so that people may find themselves acting like bots, responding on impulse in predictable ways to things that were created, in all likelihood, to elicit that very response. Yeah. So, I, I just once again think that a lot of the stuff they're talking about are just your your average mensch that, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s weren't on the internet. You know, they they... They're, they're, they're simple people. They, they have very simple, they have simple needs and simple thoughts. Well, okay. And, I mean, their I, so- I can the thoughts are about Benefer and, you know, which city has the best food. I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from with this. So, when, um, so, so when everybody's online, it's obviously the, the, it's the signal to noise ratio is off. Like there in the nineties and early two thousands, there was a high, signal to noise ratio there's a high signal with very little noise because you know people kind of respected the medium i guess they you know Mm. it was hard to get on there so there was a lot of respect for what it was about and what it represented but now the noise is way out there because everybody can get on there you you know get your you know iphone and your you know forty dollar a month uh, data plan and you're online 12 year olds are online you know when everybody's online the noise is just massive well yeah. and uh, part of the reason for that is that you know back when the internet was 
back in our internet that we're thinking about, it was less commercial. Now the internet is driven by commercial. Uh, yeah, but impulse. I think it's that's a chicken and egg thing in that the mm. the commercialization of the internet happened because there was so many eyeballs now, and not the other way around. No one's getting on the internet. Well, okay, not nobody. Everybody's getting on the internet for you know Facebook, not even Facebook, Twitter and. TikTok and I that shows how old I am when I think people are getting online for Facebook, but they're not getting online for fucking Facebook. It's mm-hmm. TikTok and Instagram and yeah, look, all this other shit that I've never really used. Look, I'm just I'm just gonna say it's true, you guys. Uh everybody go and start up a new Angel Fire website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am actually on Angel Fire right now. Go go start an <laughs> Angel Fire site. I thought you couldn't make new sites. Yep. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you can, maybe you can't, but I'm on my I'm old Angel the, Fire site. I'm one of those people that believes everybody, like, no matter who you are, should have a website. I agree. Like, it, it costs, uh, you know, maybe, like, less than 20 bucks a year to have a website, use it as an extended business card, that sort of thing. But we'll, we'll get, we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But, no, I, I like the point that you're making here, Mike, because part of this theory is the idea that there are sinister forces who have worked to shape the internet for... Uh, for the lack of a better term, the layman. If you're talking, if, if you mean by sinister forces, you mean fucking capitalism. Sure. Why not? But yes. That's all, because that's all it, it is. It's just money. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, the most saying it's, not, it's not like, it's, Oh, I'm going to corrupt the internet because I want to take over Moldavia. No, it's, it's, it's capitalist money. They, they I, want yeah, money. I mean, yeah. And it's not even oh. they, it's not even people. It's corporations, which yeah. are this weird, well, corporations mind. are people. Legally, the US government has already claimed yes. it. Yes, that's that's a problem. I'm not. Gonna oh, get into it right let's now. not talk politics. Right I'm not going to get, yeah. get. I'm not going to get into uh, that ruling. I can't remember the name. Yeah, of it right fuck now. that ruling though, and let's move yeah. on from that. Okay. So, so the internet, if it is to be considered a collection of human knowledge and experience in the most optimistic sense, seems to have failed in that regard and has fallen into this kind of era of repetition. Right. You know, every every year there's something about Mercury and retrograde, the supermoon, <laughs> murder hornets, um, that sort of thing. My okay, Dusty's former boss, like when Mercury was quote in retrograde, she made everyone's life a living hell because Mercury was in retrograde, and I'm like, you're making it happen. Well, and here's the thing: every time I hear about fucking Mercury, it's because it's in retrograde. I never, never hear of when it leaves retrograde, but all of a sudden there's Mercury. like a bunch of people saying, "Oh, hey, Mercury's in retrograde." I'm like, "What? When's 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 Mercury in prograde?" Because that's <laughs> exactly. the opposite of retrograde. I uh, know, right? I don't know. <laughs> and, and you know um, what retrograde is? That's uh, that, that's uh, uh, it's it's it, in in orbital dynamics. It's when it's moving away from or moving, you know. Away, right? Not towards. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you're in orbit and it's in orbit, it's moving away from you. Okay. Instead of towards you. I think. And it gives you the bad vibes. And it yes. gives you the bad vibes. Apparently, it it just sh- it, it shits on your juju. Is it, is it because you know you miss Mercury and you see it slowly moving away? Bye bye, so Mercury. Sad? I don't see it's <laughs> fucking Mercury. Fuck Mercury. <laughs> I, I don't okay. think that'd be a good idea because I think the liquid metal would get in your pee hole. It would actually. Unless you're a Chinese emperor, then you drink it to live forever. Oh, yep. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, um, so yeah, it feels like the internet's kind of fallen into this kind of like repetitious sort of. It's in like, cycles. 
Yeah. Um, this is because in a network where no standards can be upheld by like regulatory action in general, standards are determined by influences, and this is usually in the form of corporations. Yes. Well, yeah, and, and corporations, they, they have one thing money mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so the corporatization of the internet is single-handedly responsible for the sweeping changes in the internet of our youth and the internet of today is going to factor into this larger dead internet theory so a lot of this is based on like uh the theory revolves around the idea of corporations governments of course as well but mostly corporations yeah yeah i mean the if you look at anything any government internet website it's atrocious and the government really has no idea how to internet they, no. they got no style game. The, nope. Yeah, the, the corporations learned how to internet because they saw money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, uh, the, the government just was like, I make website. Doot, doot, doot. Here hey, you go. What, what, if they were, what if all corporate webs, websites were legally forced to like, look like the old Space Jam website? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, uh, yes. Okay, so another thing to take into account is the larger iceberg concept of the internet. What we see is only a small portion of the total network activity that makes up the internet, and much of that activity is automated processes, back-end databases, and bots. Well, Are you depressed yet, kids? Well, so, yes, there's a lot of, like, back-end shit, but there, you know, that's... Just because that's a major part of the traffic doesn't mean that's like um, a bad thing. No, no, I mean, of course there's, not. There's but... always been, I mean, there's always been a lot of protocol with the mm -hmm. internet. I mean, heck, nodes connect are uh, all constantly talking to each other to, you know, let them know they're there and mm -hmm. how to connect to them. And, you know, that's the whole DHCP thing, right? It's, they're always constantly, uh, housekeeping and making sure that everyone can talk to everyone else. So, right. You know, the overhead, we call it the overhead, basically the, the traffic that is used to, uh, keep the internet healthy is one thing. And then, yeah, using, you know, all the financial transactions. Cause like at work, when we lose internet, we can't process credit cards anymore because you know, all that shit goes over the internet. So that's that's a lot of stuff, too. That's a lot of the data. But right. Well, and then the, the, we're, we're going to be diving into but like the, internet, uh, the, the theory right here. But specifically, like, again, a lot of the Internet is considered to be like this unseen thing. Well, yeah. And that's where that's where the anxiety comes in, especially right. when you think about automated processes and artificial intelligence. Well, <laughs> that's so that's. So, that's cuckoo banana boats but i'll talk about that once you talk about it well we're moving into it right now let's do Go it ahead. let's get actually and now that we're an hour into this let's get to the dead <laughs> internet theory i i think there was important stuff to cover though. yes no i so. completely agree i just think it's funny how passionate we are about this subject mm -hmm. so as for what the dead internet theory is here is the most laconic version i can come up with pulled from my sources right the dead internet theory is the idea that vast portions of what we assume are human-produced content on the internet are actually created by artificial intelligence in conjunction with organizations to create a method of social and economic influence. Now, mm -hmm. I said the most laconic version I can, and if you've listened to any of my episodes before, you know I could be a little bit verbose here. They, they, they have, a little a bit. Lot of, have a lot of... Uh uh, what you call it, faith in what AI can create. 
Well, I was going to say you've got like a lot of like $2 words. No, mm-hmm. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things. So um, and we're going to we're going to talk about AI because, uh, OK, so long story short, this is the subject is going to be approached in two episodes. Uh, right. We have this episode and then I'm focusing specifically on the AI component in the second episode. Yeah, this is just laying groundwork in the second one is where we actually get into some of the specifics. Right. Right. Um, so I quote the Atlantic's article summary of the forum post that we're going to pull some evidence from. This is Caitlin Tiffany again. Quote, Peppered with casually offensive language, the post suggests that the internet died in 2016 or early 2017, and that now it is, quote, empty and devoid of people, as well as, quote, entirely sterile. Much of the, quote, supposedly human-produced content you see online was actually created using AI, uh, Illuminati Pirate claims, and was propagated by bots, possibly aided by a group of, quote, influencers on the payroll of various corporations that are in cahoots with the government. The conspiring group's intention is, of course, to control us, uh, to control our thoughts and to get us to purchase stuff. Now, even if this isn't true... I do think you should look at anything online from an influencer as suspicious. Possibly even us. I'm just saying. <laughs> so my th- my thoughts are you don't need AI to do this shit. No, but bear in mind, sure this helps. is a guy's theory. Right. Yeah. I'm, I, I think a lot of what he's saying is not untrue. It's just mm-hmm. you don't need AI to create influencers. Well, but here's the thing. That's the AI is the fun part because that's what makes it spooky. Well, that's yeah. what makes it yeah, well, science fiction. Well, it's the it's the new hot buzzword because, you know, everybody's talking about AI, but AI, art. AI right now can barely string together coherent sentences and That's what they want you, you to think. If you if you feed it enough <laughs> uh data points it just becomes racist. Mike, how do you know David's not AI? I don't cuz I've never met him in real life. See, I haven't either. He, exactly. I could be like AI. that Google robot. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you are the, the Google robot. Looked, yeah, the guy who uh, dressed lost like a Batman villain. Yeah, <laughs> and lost his job because he wouldn't shut up about, I think the robot's alive and it may be in love with me. Steampunk McAquarium guy? Yes. <laughs> yes. Dragon um, Con know, boy. So, so with all this in mind, I want to cover some of the evidence suggested in the thread by Illuminati Pirate. Now, sure. Mike, remember, this is evidence. Evidence. Okay. okay. Evidence. I will treat it with the highest level of scrutiny. Uh-huh. Okay. Can I get a spray bottle for you? <laughs> yes. Yes, okay. please do. All right. You know, Mike, have a couple more drinks first. <laughs> Look, I'm, so. I'm, I'm like almost done with this rum and coke. So oh, shit. I'm already pretty I feel like right. I need a rum and coke to deal with <laughs> you dealing with this. <laughs> I'm, I'm now, as cushioned as I can be. Okay. All right. Now, the first thing I need to point out is that while I pride myself in finding academic sources in most episodes, I write, I'm going to be relying heavily on what appear to be seemingly insane ramblings of a 4chaner. Where will we be without deranged children these days? Can I just ask that? <laughs> exactly. Children? Come on, it's a 4chaner. That's okay, not a deranged uh, teenager. No, that's not even a teenager. That's a Neck deranged beard? like 30-year-old. Okay, fair. All right. 
So, the origins of the theory, based on what Illuminati Pirate posted, originates from 4chan's X-Board and Wizard Chan. <laughs> okay, just because of this, you don't get an X going to so give it to minute. you this so episode. So, is, is this whole episode is just X giving it to us? It yes. is. God damn it. <laughs> so, I've, been, I've, I've been catfished. <laughs> oh my god. Obviously, given Chan culture, most of this stuff could be seen as trolling or as a dumb joke, but elements of what Illuminati Pirate posits here struck enough people to merit some real discussion on the idea that the internet may be dead. So, it's only uh, mostly Illum- dead. Mostly, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, so, so already seeing at this, the fact that they're a 4chan person and the, all th- thinking the internet's dead. Yeah, this is a uh, disgruntled something awful forum member. Uh, probably. Dis- dis- disenfranchised. Disinformation agent. Oh, yeah. Probably in the initial ban wave by low tax, mm-hmm. actually. Well, we'll talk about that. So, yep. uh, Illuminati, uh, Illuminati Pirate begins by giving us cr- his credentials in that he was fairly active on the internet prior to about 2007 during that post.com bubble period. Right. Um, so, so he like joined early some, days of 4chan. He, yeah. he joined something awful just after the uh, September 11th uh, mm-hmm. like I did, attack. Yeah. Because he wanted to see tribute.avi. Yeah. He, th- he thought that was the height of, a, of comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he then posits the internet feels empty and devoid of people and content, which naturally he blames on corporations and governments. However, he then launches into a series of claims that may feel pretty familiar to many of us. Okay. So one observation. Oh yes. It's devoid of content. I mean, okay. He could say it's devoid of quality of content, <laughs> but the internet is currently generating like terabytes of content. AI day. is. Well, but, but what, what he's getting I mean, at there internet. is that the, the content that's being generated is just variations on a theme. You know, uh, he mentions the idea of like, there's always a super moon article. There's always a, mar- uh, uh, a Hornet, a uh, murder Hornet article. There's always someone who's being canceled on Twitter for some thing that you could probably classify into like five different categories, you know, so, that so, sort of thing. He's, so sure. this, so, so he's never like listened to people before, or he definitely never watched like his local news because the local news is just the same shit over and over again. Someone like, was I, I, robbed. Someone was killed. You know, there's a pothole somewhere. This mm-hmm. company's bad. Here's a puppy. You know, that, that <laughs> that's 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 your local news over and over again. And the Internet you know, is just kind of the same shit because it's like people. like I'm with you on this a little bit because he does seem a little socially awkward. Uh, not not yeah. like trying to character assassinate him, but like he even mentions it in the, the, the discussion. Well, I, um, I'm just saying that. A, a lot of younger people probably, like I said, I I don't anymore watch the news, mm-hmm. so I can't blame younger people for have never watched the news. Yeah, mm. and and especially the news nowadays, I think is probably a way different. Than well, the once news. the twenty four hour news cycle kicked well, in, not, not only that, it's... but once no, once the big corporations started buying the local networks. Yeah, because mm-hmm. have you ever seen the video where? Uh, Oh it's, yeah, it's no, we're just the same. It's it's the same yeah. like promo thing, but from networks all you know local all over the country, all over the country. And they're mm-hmm. saying the exact same script. It's like that mm-hmm. was frightening to me because I remember when yeah. the local news was like a Woody. thing you could trust, and you had that that was characters. Sinclair Broadcasting that did that. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, mm-hmm. it, was, it was definitely yeah. them. I yeah. have no no qualms, but then again, like I said, it comes back to big corporations. Yeah. Right. I can't 
doubt that big corporations would create, you know, AI to like turn us into mindless mush eating zombies, but I don't think that's happened yet. Well, well let's see his yeah, theory yeah. first. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So one of the first observations he makes mm-hmm. regular contacts vanishing completely. He lays out that he had a solid number of contacts across different websites, but those contacts eventually vanished. And he argues not necessarily from a change of interest or people kind of just drifting away, but a complete abandonment, as he describes as a vanishing in a puff of smoke, like the shutdown of a program. This connects with another observation he makes that fake people are out there. Again, he's not entirely wrong here, which we're going to explain. Now, Alternately, he might just be an asshole and tedious to be around. So and they ghosted him. Oh, so I mean, I kind of understand that, but I've also I when you say that, I think of when I so so the uh, goon uh, Grand Theft Auto group. I was pretty active in there, and then just one day, I just stopped. I don't know. I didn't make a decision to do it. You just, just quit. You just a week later, yeah, you realize, oh, I quit. Look, okay. I literally put like hundreds of hours into playing with these guys, and mm-hmm. I don't remember why. I, maybe I was just bored. Maybe I was just like, oh, I, it just kept going. Oh, I'll play tomorrow or something like that. I just stopped. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it happens. It was, and those people probably thought I died. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I played Genshin Impact for like two months every day, and then I yeah. just I stopped because I'm like I, I can't do this treadmill anymore. But but yeah. no, but when you when it's you the have, same thing. But there were there were people on there I knew at least not mm-hmm. by first name, but knew by handle. Mm-hmm. You know, and they they knew me when I would join the 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 they'd say hi. chat or something. They'd be like, oh hey Mike, you know how's it going? Because I was uh, I went by Mike Mike NLN on pretty much everything by this point. And mm-hmm. so they'd be like, hey, how's it going? You know, and then I, like I said, just. I and just then Mike stopped. just died. And I, and I died. I probably died right. to them um, just because I guess I had gotten everything I could out of it. And, and it, that just happens, though. People, he, he thinks, you know, it's weird. People don't just vanish like that. It's like, yeah, they, yeah, they kind of do. I mean. Or he's an asshole. I'm pretty sure this guy has, you know, things, community, he's, communities he was involved mm-hmm. in and just kind of like dropped just you don't i don't know that he does well i mean i mean i'm sure he could just be weird i mean you'll have to go through the uh thread for like some more stuff but like it is something i think that's very relatable and it's kind of like an uncanny thing that you experience because i i was going through like some of my old accounts in different places and seeing people it's like i've never heard of that person since yeah Yeah, no i spent so much time talking to them it feels like i can understand like on the surface it feels like Oh, you know, you had this rapport with someone. Why would they just stop? But you realize it just kind of happens. Like even in real life, like mm-hmm. there's friends that I don't think I've talked to in like oh, years. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. not like any kind of conscious. Uh, I just F, fall you know, out of talking to it. Them. Just, it just happened. You drift apart. I, I stopped, you know, we stopped hanging out or whatever. And it wasn't never malicious it was never a conscious decision so i think you know this this speaks to maybe a a naivete 
Yeah, well, we are talking about someone who ended up writing this very long post about the idea that, yeah. like, the internet is dead and controlled by robots. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to the second observation yeah. here. Yes. So his second observation is algorithmic content. This is a bit more about a rant on the quality of media that we consume these days. This is what you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. But Illuminati, uh, Illuminati Pirate poses that uh, fiction has become sterile and templated. Uh, he suggests that modern fiction is being manufactured by artificial intelligence, which is not necessarily too far off base. Um, you know, like the idea of the Netflix algorithm that determines, sure. like, well, we're going to green light such and such. It's, it's, I mean, I guess it's not being manufactured, but it's definitely being influenced by well, algorithms. Yeah. I wouldn't call it artificial intelligence. Well, we will talk about the manufactured thing in the next episode because I do have some interesting stuff yeah. regarding that. Yeah. So, you know, you just try to keep a little bit of an open mind on this one. Right. But, you know, then again, he also goes on to praise Moe anime as having heart. So I think he's probably just a big weeaboo. I, well, I well, mean, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. All right. We're also living in a world uh, where most scripts and books are based on a formula from a book called Save the Cat, which is about mm-hmm. screenwriting and storytelling. And you can figure out where a movie is going beat for beat if you know what to look for from that book. Happens so, to me all the time. Yeah, so that's the thing. Every modern screenwriter has read that book, and they write uh, based on that. And it's the same with a lot of storytellers and content in general being influenced by that. So, yeah, it's all kind of sterilized and formulaic well, now, but yeah. Well, I, I mean, so I I can't, the, the, the anime thing, embarrassingly, <laughs> I can't say he's completely wrong. I, I have thought for a while that uh, at least anime storytelling has a very deft ability to pull on the heartstrings. I will out. shove Steven Universe down your throat, goddammit. Well, I, I haven't watched it, okay? But I'm just, <laughs> I'm not saying American media can't, but I think it's more rare in American media where, you know, we're more for the cool and the, you know, big, you know, spectacle instead of the emotional connection in our in you know what our media portrays but <laughs> i'm just thinking we're gonna have to record like an anime discussion episode because like i can talk that's about for this patreon for a long time. <laughs> this is patreon we'll and we'll move on but we'll, yeah. we will come back to that but line. yeah but, no, but, but i see where you're getting at but but yes no i've i've all long now said that you know our current stuff is way too safe like, but, but moe anime really well i won't say moe anime i'm just saying you know okay a lot okay of anime in general but i mean american media is too safe because it's too corporatized it's all or almost like an algorithm algorithm it's just it, it okay so it's a biological <laughs> algorithm not even a biological are you saying algorithm. it's horny no I'm saying that the a corporation is a very weird entity because it involves people, but it involves people acting against their own self-interest for the good of a fictional being, an entity. Okay, I mean, did I, that, that... did I just like blow your minds or something? It got real quiet. Not really. I just don't know what to say. I mean, yeah, I mean, 
I mean, what else can you call people who make the decision to, you know, basically make other people lives hell, but it's in the name of money. Americans. No, it's not just Americans. Sounds like those fat cats on Capitol Hill. It's a lot of Americans, but there are other (laughs) nation, other companies and other nations that do the same. It's just more prevalent in America because we view, you know, monetary success as the best of Sounds things. like maybe you're talking about the lizard people. I no, I'm think not talking, about, talking <laughs> about the lizard people. No, because I don't think the lizard people care about money. The lizard people care about money and no, they care about control. juju. They, they, they hoard the money like dragons. Uh, uh, this, is getting, getting into... this is getting into a, like, <laughs> yeah. we're getting back into Jugal again. Let's, 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 what's your okay. last thing? Okay, so the last major point that he brings up is that the internet is often different among observers. He points out that the internet you see on your smartphone is different from the one you see on your PC. Specifically, he mentions spending a few days looking at websites between these two platforms and noticing that at regular inter- at irregular interval- intervals that the content will be completely different on the same website across the two platforms. Now, I buy this less, but I am noting it because the idea is interesting, and I believe it could be possible for an algorithmically generated content to slip up periodically. Now, this is the one I buy into. Because, here's the thing. Facebook on my PC, I see nothing but posts from my friends with the occasional ad. If I'm on, and on Instagram too, if I'm on mobile... Every fifth post is someone I actually know, and everything else is a recommended post or an ad, like five, six posts in a row, and then like somebody I know. Yeah, I would say this is probably the most valid of the points, but that's just, you know, tailoring content because, like I said, you know, someone that's, you know, exclusively online through their phone is probably more of a superficial internet user than someone on their PC. We'll have to create an elite internet user sticker and and shirt. Oh (laughs) yeah. I like the elite internetter. I'm glad Um, that got brought up though, because like I I'd been thinking about it for like a couple of weeks and then you brought it up and I'm like, Holy shit. Mm -hmm. You can trust me. I'm from the internet. Yes. (laughs) Now, now, from this point on, uh, Illuminati <laughs> Sorry, pirate... I just swallowed a gnat. <laughs> <laughs> was it Was it good? What? Was it good? God, no. Let's move on. <clears throat> oh, shit. Okay. Holy um, shit. So, so, from this point on, Illuminati pirate tends to go into conspiracy overdrive. Oh, now uh, he does. Mm-hmm. So, he establishes a timeline that leads to somewhere about 2016, 2017, when he says that AI takes over the internet that we see today. Uh-huh. So we're going to go over that timeline real quick. There's a oh, few items. Oh, please do. Okay. Yes, so his timeline... I'm loading my, I'm loading my uh, disapproval gun. I'm, <laughs> he, he has a scornful face loaded. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, so his timeline begins in 2004 with the folding of DARPA's LifeLog project. Or was it actually folded? Facebook arrived in 2004. Mm-hmm. Now, have you heard of the LifeLog project? No. Uh, this is where they basically look at everyone's online activity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's we, we see it playing out today in some interesting ways. But I have a link to the uh, to a reputable source about it and everything like that, so you'll be able to like, kind of look and understand what the LifeLog project is. But I'm going to go ahead and move on. 
So um, from 2004 to 2012, the NSA may have picked up some of the former DARPA project, spinning it into the Total Informational Awareness Project that was meant to fight terrorism. Uh-oh. Okay. Well, um, I mean, everything post 9-11 was, you know, to, quote, fight terrorism. That's right. true. But, like, uh, taking this DARPA project, which, like, the initial impression of it was to kind of build a, a profile to a person's entire life based on data on them. Mm-hmm. Well, well, considering that a lot of 9-11 uh, planning was done in some form of online, mm-hmm. it makes that's sense true. that, you know, NSA mm-hmm. would take a thing that's meant to profile online users yeah. and yeah. use it for their own goals. Absolutely. Right, so this makes sense so far. Yeah. Okay. Can't can't so argue in, with any of that logic. All right. So in 2012, 2013, the Smith-Munt Modernization Act was modified by Congress to allow domestic dissemination of government-produced programming within the United States, which Illuminati pirates suggest legalizes government propaganda. I thought pro- well, government <clears throat> propaganda was already legal. I don't think it was uh, ever illegal. It's it was definitely more regulated. Was it? Um, yes, uh, you'll have to look up the information on the Smith Munt uh, Modernization Act, but I have a link there um, from Northwestern uh, .edu that kind of explains what the act was and what the difference was. Okay. Well, uh, also, if you're hearing a noise in the background, one of our cats is attempting to dig to China in a box. Where now, are you, you damn cat. Also, uh, not to get all hecklefish here, but I'm buying this so far. Well, I mean, so so it's just saying that the uh, prevented the uh, U.S. De- you know Department of State from disseminating government-produced prop programming within the United States over fears that the agencies would propagandize the American people. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I guess makes sense, but you know. Of course, they'd want to get rid of that because, you know, why wouldn't we want to propagandize mm-hmm. to the uh, people? Damn straight. Sheep. Mm-hmm. The sheeple? Yes. All right. So so from about 2012 to 2016, Illuminati pirates suggest that any DARPA and NSA contracts were then given to private companies such as Google, Facebook, and Amazon. Now... I had a hard time digging up some articles about these contracts, but the association between the NSA and tech giants is a known thing, so I can see this as plausible. I just lack the sources at this point. I mean, sure. I mean, just like any other... So so here's the thing. The government very rarely does anything themselves. They're always mm-hmm. contracting with private companies. Mm-hmm. So just like they would contract with a private company to build a bomber... They're going to contract, if they want data shit, they're going to contract with a data company to do that data shit. They're not going mm-hmm. to build the systems themselves because they, like I said, the government doesn't know shit. Mm-hmm. They don't have the manpower or the brain power to build these systems in a vacuum. Just right. like they can't, you know, build a fifth generation fighter jet all by themselves. Not, not to get into the whole military, mm-hmm. military industrial complex. You forgot the word alien. No, there's no aliens. There's aliens. <laughs> no aliens. <clears throat> Only illegal aliens. No, there's <clears throat> there's the other kind. But uh, so, yeah, of course they're going to partner with you know right. existing tech companies 
again, like this shouldn't really be new information to us, but the, yeah. the, the timeline he's laying out is showing that there's this connection between private corporations, governments, and these original DARPA internet projects. And he's kind right. of showing how more and, and more of this is being controlled by corporations. So, and it's so, fairly plausible so far. So, But like a lot of conspiracy theories, they lay out some plausible groundwork and then mm-hmm. tack the crazy on the end. It's right? like well, a it's like it's like a writer to feed children that has and we mm-hmm. can bomb Iraq. Well, let, let's get into this further. So in okay. 2016, Google started work on a concept called selfish ledger, which we wow. got our first hints of through leaked memos in 2018. Now we can do an entire episode on selfish ledger, uh, maybe as a minisode or something, because this is a scary one. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would suggest now, uh, looking it up. Now is this? Around the time where they took the don't be evil thing out of their mission statement? I, I thought that was more recent. I thought that was more like 2018, 2019. Well, well and mm. then 2018 is when those memos of selfish ledger leaked. Okay. Um, well, and and I, I guess the best way to describe selfish uh, ledger is Google was trying to create an algorithmic um, like life guide to kind of like modify human behavior. It, it's very, it's Jesus. very strange. Yeah, it, okay, it's very, yeah. it's very we'll, creepy. We'll do a mini episode or a Patreon episode on that because that that yeah. needs a dive. Well, so, yeah, I mean, it's looking like it was a future project. They didn't have this right. operational in twenty sixteen, but but it's the thinking of it that's the disturbing yeah. part, according to Illuminati Pirate. It's the idea right. that like, no, I can I can see that. Yeah, like it's not something they were actively programming, at least not based on the memos, but like who they knows? They were looking right? into it. Yeah, but this is like the United States government looking into the prospect of total nuclear war with Russia. It's not something they want to happen, but it's something they right. can see happening. But this is where conspiracy theories come from. Oh, yeah. Know? So, um, uh, again, Google it, Google seems to show up a lot. So, in 2016. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. In 2016, Google releases a host of neuro-linguistic machine learning programs, uh, mostly for language and translation. Oh, yeah. Right. They, they like were Babel heavy into that. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's when, you know, we could first, like, pull out your phone and beta mm-hmm. test the, you know, tra- live translation stuff. I, I have mm-hmm. had conversations with uh, very foreign men that have come up to our door. Yeah. Through that there you thing. go. In 2017, the concept of the deep fake begins to appear a lot more commonly in the public's consciousness. Yeah, because I recall like in 2017, that's when like I first started really hearing about the deep fake as a thing and not just some sort of like sci-fi thing of like, well, one day we're right. going to be able to generate artificial people. You know, so I so it I, my consciousness of this be, was a little earlier when we mm-hmm. first when Hollywood first was able to. uh replicate you know long dead people like mm-hmm. forrest gump and stuff you know there was a lot of speculation of how this would you know Re- i remember eventually. that it was in the news and they were talking about how how could this be used as a bad thing yeah which was you know that's what the news loves to do is you know take yeah. some something that you know at the time is innocuous and saying but it could be bad yeah yeah okay. now and, um <clears throat> In 2018, Illuminati Pirate points out that the vote and view counts across different platforms are overinflated, and that's because there no. is a lot of bot traffic now, on social media. Now, this is the Facebook media. stuff, right? 
Uh, this is Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, you name it. Okay, where it was like, we, it turns out like a lot of the votes and shit were just like artificially generated. Yeah, so, and if you watch the which video, I remember from the, when that happened. Right, and if you watch the video yeah. from the Y files about this, he talks about how he could see the data in his videos, where like where the bots will come in, watch like ten seconds, leave a vote and a comment, and then move on to the next video and that sort of thing. Right. Right. Um, that's also playing out with the whole Elon Musk versus Jack Dorsey Twitter feud right now, because, again, there's likely that the most of the users on Twitter are probably bots at this point. So I don't know how I can how much credit I get on most of them. Like, I can't I can't argue that a percentage of them are, but saying that most of them are fake is seems a little too, I don't know, sensationalistic. Well, well we are, go we are getting close to something called the inversion, which is something I'm going to talk about a lot more in the next episode. I mean, but I can understand, is I can understand where a lot of the traffic is, but it's probably a, you know, smaller percentage of, you know, registered users. Mm -hmm. Well, and then we're, we're going to talk about the inversion because that is a thing that these uh, these website, uh, I don't want to say website designers, but these, I don't know, website scientists, I, I don't know what to call them, but there's this fear of this Analysts? thing called the inversion. Um, I don't know. I'll have to think, like, I, I would say probably just data scientists, but um, the, the fear of this thing called the, well, maybe not a fear, but this idea of the, the inversion where there's going to be a tipping point where at some point most of the internet traffic that we see on these kind of networks is going to be specifically like artificial, like, like bots and that sort of thing uh, that, that are using the features that you would associate with humans. So, I mean, I think it comes down to money. I mean, we could talk about it more, I guess, when you get to mm -hmm. that, but mm -hmm. you know, it'll come down to money and when it becomes profitable for the websites to filter that stuff, they will. Well, and the thing is, it's not necessarily profitable for them to well, filter it because, again, those inflated I, view counts. Well, so I think it will be because as as advertisers become more savvy to this stuff, they'll not want to pay for bot clicks because bot clicks the, make them no money. But but think about um, the companies that run the ads, like Facebook and Google are like the two biggest. Well, they, providers of advertisement they, services. So, so that's they provide why, the ads, but they have to have someone to pay for the ads. And like right. I say, when Doritos mm -hmm. realizes that their $50 million of Google ad revenue is not, you know, seeing any returns because 90% mm -hmm. of their views are bots, they're going to mm -hmm. start, you know, not paying Google anymore until Google cleans up its bot problem. Right, but that that's the kind of important thing about that 2018 uh, discovery about like the overinflated thing. So like there, there's all this is playing out. Like again, we're dealing with a lot of subjects here that uh, we're barely scratching the surface of them. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying that I think eventually the money's going to dry up when, when yeah when you know it becomes realized and provable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. 
Now, um, naturally, the conclusion that uh, Illum Illuminati Pirate draws here is that the government is utilizing artificial intelligence to exert control of the population through corporate contractors, which doesn't sound overly crazy as far as conspiracy theories go. And it's certainly making me want to build a bunker and drop off the grid. This is really just unsettling stuff when you get down to it and, and just like think about it from... You know, when when you when you just hear it, it is disturbing. I I can I can say I don't think any of the things are beyond the pale. I just mm -hmm. knowing what I know, it seems like some of the things are a little unlikely at at the current time. I can't say they're not going to happen. They just at right now don't seem mm -hmm. like they're technologically or you know. I guess just technologically possible because AI is not that advanced. But but that's the thing I think that Illuminati Pirate is kind of getting at and why the theory kind of takes off is because like as technology increases, these things have more and more of a chance to happen. Oh yeah, no. I so mean, no doubt, but I just don't think they've happened yet and we can't really predict what self correcting measures, like I said, the the money problem mm -hmm. will uh take on them. Well, let's go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm moving on to like what is kind of our third act here. Um, you know, we're, we're going to start wrapping up uh, everything so far. So yeah, go I ahead. Wanna... I'll, I'll stop interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, My it's ass. great. No, this has been a very fun conversation, but <laughs> no. um, yeah, I, but I, wanna, I don't want to get in the way. <laughs> I, I want to wrap up with a bit of exploration about some of the okay. reality of these ideas that help support the idea of like an AI controlled dead Internet. OK, let's do so, that. Let's talk about the idea of fake people, um, oh which was, you know, an element of the science Illuminati pirate discussed in this thread. Yes. So we are familiar with the concept of deep fakes. Absolutely. This is the AI generated stuff where you put one person's face on another. Well, not entirely AI generated. That's well, the you thing. know what? I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Again, yeah. like we're splitting a lot of hairs here, but there, that's yeah, don't not split hairs on me, thing. motherfucker. <laughs> you don't got many left. Okay. So. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> wow. Oh, no, dude, I'm balder than you. So <laughs> Okay, that's fair. Yeah, um, but my hair is thinning and like I can see mm -hmm. my scalp. Oh, no. I know. I'm okay. so sad. So, so obviously like these. Balding. I'm going to be the deep... critic. <laughs> it's stay. Okay. So anyway, um, these deep fakes have been showing up more and more, and we could easily explore deep fakes as an episode, especially if you want to dip into that conspiratorial well. You now, wish we may. Yeah. A deep fake is generally created through a combination of human uh, effort and machine learning, and to a large degree, it takes human input to make a successful deep fake. Uh, de indeed. Yeah, so even AI-generated images, such as composite avatars used for sock puppets and uh, bot accounts, require an element of human creation. Uh, after all, someone has to be able to throw out the ones with the extra ear, eyes, or strange neck folds. <laughs> Unless right? you're lizard people. Right. But it can be scarily effective, such as, the, uh, such as with the case of Adobe's project Voco, which allows you to dynamically edit transcribed audios, uh, audio and then play back that transcription with a sound alike. Yeah, okay, so Clark is using this stuff that you're talking about to make ads mm -hmm. for the station with celebrity voices, which is all funny and everything. It's cute until it isn't. 
Right. So, you know, very much like today, you could say create a deep fake with Vladimir Putin and use Project Voco to edit the audio and through a combination of the deep fake audio and the deep fake visuals, create what is a very effective looking uh, way to like to stabilize a government, which yeah. uh, that was a thing that was a concern uh, mm -hmm. around the start of the war in Ukraine, because there was a video that was floating around where it was like, was this a deep fake or not? Yeah. And just, yeah. I mean, like we've got an ad on the station right now that is Dr. Phil talking about how great deviant behavior radio is. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I mean, so I think there's still tells right now in yes. it. Yes. Right but now. It, it's, yeah, it's definitely close to the point that where it'll be seamless. And that is definitely a scary oh, yeah. prospect mm -hmm. of right. not yeah. knowing what's real and what's not. I mean, could you imagine a world where, you know, uh, say, you know, a politician, I won't name names, but some politician there's something, you know, something gets found or released where they say some really egregious shit and then they actually said it, but they just go on and say, oh no, that's a deep fake. I never said that. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's just, you know, that's fake news because some, that's just something someone created. Now, now that right. fake news wouldn't be a clue. No, no, not at all. The, po the politician you're talking about. No, not about. at all. Not, I'm, mm -hmm. just, I'm just hypothetically spitballing. Just spitballing. Spit yeah. Right. So, so they, they, could, they could say the worst shit ever, and when it doesn't play with their, you know, Demographics. Mm -hmm. they they just say, oh, well, I never said that. Right. Now, um, the, the dead internet theory is predicated on a combination of AI and government and corporate influence to generate these sorts of fake people. And like, this seems reasonable. It, it seems reasonable, except that that level of coordination is a little dubious to me. Yeah, like I, I, I totally get that. But um, like, do I believe the NSA has a bunch of people in a basement churning out fake avatars to get people to buy more iPhones? Not so much, but I do think this is stuff that is currently being experimented with by governments and by private companies. Uh, I kind of believe it, judging by some of the interactions I've had lately on social media. Nope. I hate to say it. Those, those are just dumbos. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, so my, my point is also it doesn't take AI to do this. I mean, look at right. what's expected, what's suspected that Russian and uh, Chinese operatives have done you know for our elections oh, right God, well yeah. and, uh, but, i mean but the it, you don't need ai to really fuck with a internet presence or a you know, right but but where the ai base. With, where the ai comes in here is a sense of scale like you still need that human factor to go through again all the little fake avatars that are generated with like the extra ears of the funky mouth but again <clears> it's able to process so much of this stuff that it becomes this torrent of... Well, so I, I think that makes sense for Americans, but when you look at Russia or China, you know, I, they, they just have so many people on the payroll, and mm -hmm. they don't have to pay that much for them. Yeah, I mean, but... They, they, they just have a lot of, a lot more uh, internet operatives to, you know coin a term i can't think of any good term for well yeah like click farms and that sort of thing yeah right. but mm -hmm. you know, what is a human but also like a meat machine right yeah uh, it's still it's still like a 
like I, I wouldn't say they're an artificial intelligence, but it's still like it's still like something that is yeah. creating a cycled, repetitious internet. They're they're using automated tools to do this, mm-hmm. but AI yeah. would basically what I, what I would think when someone's saying AI, they means unsupervised. Well, like, and um, spoiler well, alert, I think that's the future of this stuff when we talk oh, about episode no two. No kidding. I mean, that's, yeah. of course, the end game, but... Right. So, you know, the, the real pants-shitting impl- uh, implication of something like this uh, is to think about what might happen when an AI gets so good at these sorts of tasks that the human factor is reduced to little more than someone who initially activated the thing. You know, at least these are just images and sounds that we can suss out, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not like realistic, algorithmically generated conversations are a thing that can be seen, right? Now, have you ever been in a situation where you had to chat with someone on tech support or a customer service chat, mm-hmm. like uh, in an actual chat window? I'm not convinced those are people. Well, you know, pro- at least like some of it's probably, you know, some sort of uh scripting language i wouldn't call it ai because mm-hmm. ai requires a certain uh weighted algorithm mm-hmm. but it's definitely they're definitely like one person uh, the, the chat bot or the chat bot but the chat support thing is interesting because it's usually one person monitoring several streams at once because mm-hmm. it's you know that's the most efficient way because think about it in a call center that one person's connected to one other person well mm-hmm. when you can make that one person connect to 20 10 you know seven other people that's a lot more efficient you get more bang for your buck on that you know one meat mm-hmm. bag <laughs> but you know and, and of course some of that is automated because you know right. why wouldn't you you got some you know some form of automation of course you'd automate that shit just like the same way the call center has the automated you know menu systems and hold and all that but <clears throat> it's a baby step to something bigger though well yes and and as soon as they can have a completely you know automated pseudo ai system do you know all your call all your level 1 call support that's going to happen, mm-hmm. of course. And yeah. That's also something that, you know, for a long time, you know, people have been saying, you know, the robots are coming for your jobs, right? For, like, <laughs> your, for you know, m- menial jobs. Well, it turns yeah. out menial jobs require a lot of brain power and coordination. Mm-hmm. The AIs are first coming for our white collar jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of uh, day traders are starting to be replaced with AI mm-hmm. because well, and, you think about it, an AI, a, a janitor AI has to both think and do, you know, has to physically move around its you know world. It turns out moving around the physically moving around the world is a lot harder than we expected it to be. But a day trader AI, all it has to do is fuck with data all day. Right. And oh, and, there's also I saw an article the other day. I, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but um, it was an article about like how like uh, with, with experiments with artificial AI that are supposed to do tasks to get to a reward state that they would find loops to get to that uh, reward state and not have to do the initial task, which that's oh, also yeah. very interesting to me. Oh, I remember seeing a uh, article about uh, early 
genetic algorithms that were mm-hmm. uh, set to run on. Okay, so they were set to run on a chip called an FPGA, which is a field programmable gate array. You can think of it as a silicon chip version of a program. It's just a bunch of gates, which are, you know, the basic part of a processor or something like that. But mm-hmm. you can via software program this chip to be whatever kind of chip you need it to be. It's not going to be the fastest, but it is a very general purpose chip. And so they created a gen- genetic algorithm it with genetic algorithm is basically you take, you know, a couple of different programs and you see which one's the best and the best ones you basically breed. You take aspects from each of them and cross pollinate them and mm-hmm. see which one of the children are the best. And you just keep doing that over and over again, automated until you come up with a design that the person may not have come up with, but actually runs better than the initial starting programs. Mm-hmm. Well, these genetically algorithmed after several generations, maybe even hundreds of generations, they find they were working way better than the hand-coded versions. But then when they put that version of the algorithm on another test rig, well, it wouldn't work. It's like, mm. why isn't this working? They should be. It turns out that the genetic algorithm has started using side channels that were not actually data channels. Like it was using, like, say the grounding uh, plane of the test rig, which wasn't the same between the two, even though the chips were the same, not every little detail was exactly the same. So it had become tailor-made to only work on that one setup. And even one that was almost exactly the same, say it was a different computer and just something was just a little different to where it just wouldn't run. Hmm. That's so wild. It's just, yeah, it's wild that you get these, you know, Kind of workarounds. I, I think that gets at that that heart of the fear of this dead internet theory because, like, when you hear stuff like that, the idea of a artificial intelligence eventually just kind of like replicating and uh, replacing people on the internet. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it's it feels it feels realistic. Like we talk a lot about like really out there stuff on the show, but like this is like some of the scariest stuff that I it's, think we've talked about. It's conceivable. Well, yeah, it's yeah. it's. Now that it's not only conceivable, look, I'm not arguing that any of this stuff can't happen. I'm just arguing that it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I don't, we're, I'm not going to sit here and say this isn't going to happen. Although some mm-hmm. of it I think could be like self-regulated because, you know, by the end of it all, it has to make money for, if you're talking about a corporation, it has to make money either right. be via ads or government contracts. Well, mm-hmm. which the, the, the government surveillance stuff and all, you know, they're going to pay for that. So whatever. But I'll, I'm just saying that it can happen. Hopefully it doesn't. Right. But you know, I and the, the, maybe yet. the theory is that we're in those baby steps towards it right now. But True. Um, I mean, I, that I won't argue with. Yeah. Well, let's talk about alg- uh, algorithmically generated content on social media. Mm hmm. So we already know a lot of uh, a lot about how replies on social media are a crapshoot as to whether or not they come from like a human or not with like bots. Um, Twitter bots have grown fairly convincing as you know, and this is my hot take. Conversational discourse on social media has gone down the toilet. You know what? That does make me wonder if anyone thinks I'm a bot. You know, um, um, <clears throat> hey, go ahead, Mike. I, I, I was going to say, 
I think you're, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, can't think I'm, I'm a bot. I'm sitting across from you, and I don't know if I can't prove that you're not a bot. Well, here's the thing, <laughs> and this this is a good point. You know what uh, my favorite uh, Twitter account from the Supernatural Selection account is? Hmm. UFO hmm. bot. Oh, yeah. All it does, yeah. it is a bot that posts coherent sentences about UFOs and uh, posts just general shit about UFOs. I mean, because there are those bots that, like, obviously they're they're program bots that run scripts. Like you mentioned, commissions, and all of a sudden it's like fifty bots that are like, "Hey, uh, I offer commissions. Go ahead and DM me." You know, we, yeah. we know or, about those. Or the the like NFT bots that mm-hmm. uh, I've seen around that if you say anything, even bad things about you know crypto or NFT, they start you know mm-hmm. trying to basically trying to scam you, trying to catfish uh-huh. you into a yeah. NFT scam. But, you know, there are those replies where it's like, no, this feels like it's a it's not a real person, but it's a very lucid reply. So, you know, I think you're more likely to find someone who can dis uh, disagree with you amicably and not call you a dickhead than you are to see proper punctuation in many tweets. Again, a lot of this comes from like the shorthand of the way people communicate on the Internet. Um, in the Y files video that I mentioned earlier, uh, there's a great point about like Twitter bots and how they kind of have this kind of standard internet speak, lowercase, um, no, no periods kind of has the same kind of cadence and everything like that, which, you know, it's hard to tell either this could be a real person, but there are people on my timeline that I follow that I believe are human, but also write like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we could still tell most bot responses from uh, from people, right? But the line is growing blurrier and blurrier on, like, high-traffic social media websites. We're talking about, like, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, pretty much 90% of the internet for the layman. Again, we are talking about an internet that's very similar to when you used to get on America Online. So, in that regard, I just want us to take a moment to check out the subreddit simulator. Oh, no. What is mm-hmm. this? This is a fun one. So uh, this is a subreddit that uses AI, uh, well, maybe not AI, but a computer algorithm to generate dynamic uh, dynamic posts and comments based on algorithmic scraping of the biggest subreddits on the platform. And the results can be scary. A lot of it's nonsensical, but the way that the cadence of the conversations goes is very eerie. So it's it says it's using GPT-2, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a AI, trained AI algorithm. So Mm -hmm. calling it AI is not beyond the pale. Yeah. So, but again, it's like, if you look like, for example, what is on your uh, front page? Do you have uh, Pope Francis to appear in JJ Abrams's star Wars episode nine? No. Uh, Is one of your top posts? (laughs) Because that's what I have. I see that in the, I see that in there. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I see that. You know, so again, um, like read the first reply. I think you might have it. Uh, He's a big fan of George Lucas and is known to have helped design certain parts of the new trilogy. So I imagine he'll be appearing in a lot of scenes as well. Um, You know, just like, again, like this is complete nonsense. But the way it reads. No, it it all reads. Yeah, this is bothersome. And then one of the posts, you know, uh, below it, it's the Pope, the movie. Right. And it's just someone making like a funny little Reddit joke. Um, You know, so, again, like there are these 
moments where like obviously the cracks show up like um um you know but there are other times where like the reactions are very scarily realistic like someone posting uh, like a bot posting holy shit you're right the pope is going to appear in the in an episode of star wars question mark it's just it's I, it's eerie isn't so, it so so i don't know i'm i'm reading these some of them don't work but a lot of them are well i would say 90% of them aren't working for me like like, well, he's been in some major Hollywood movies. No, he hasn't. Yeah, but, but again, I mean, you it's have still the a context. coherent sentence. You, here's here's you have the, the Pope, context. the movie, the Pope, the movie. Yeah, no, the that's Pope, the one the where I was like, this is this is the bot kind of fucking up for the right. bots. But like, say you weren't okay, aware of any of this some, stuff. There's also some bot that basically is programmed to uh, make links. Mm-hmm. Hope, and I guess hoping that people don't click links because you click link, it's just a dead end. But it's right. www.theverge.com numbers Pope Francis film Star Wars episode nine, which, you know, I guess that could be a valid tactic, you know, and a kind of, you know, uh, propaganda tactic, just spew out, you know, credible seeming links, even though they don't go anywhere, hoping that a large percentage don't click it just say oh well the verge said it obviously that must be true without clicking the link because nobody clicks links anymore right right so again this is like obviously we can see that like at, at, at some of these just do not work but when you see the ones that feel real i think it helps kind of clarify this anxiety around this yeah, idea well, of an I ai agree. on the I internet mean, yeah people are playing with it but you know I, I just but, don't. I just don't see any credible, you know, uh, right. evidence that this is. Wow, reading some of these is just hilarious. Yeah, like these are really funny. Um, I, mean, I here I, here's a joke. Here's a joke. Two uh, two men are driving through a forest when they bump into a deer. They stop and get out of the car and start approaching the deer when one of them sees a stick sticking out of the deer's side. The other man says, what the hell is that? The first man replies, it's a stick I saw sticking out of the deer. The second man says, no, it's a deer I saw sticking out of the deer. Like Again, it's like it's it's the cadence. It, the it punchline makes no sense. Worked. Yeah. So, I mean, while... My, my problem is, is that a lot of this is just still nonsense that I don't really see in most internet discourse. Right. You know, I mean, but it's, it's, it makes sort of sense, but it doesn't make topical sense. Like the, there are sentences that are grammatically understandable, mm-hmm. but in the context of the whole thread, they don't make sense. Right. You know, and it, it's still, it's very, it still troubles yeah. me and like sometimes yeah. it just I read one of these things and I'm like, it sounds like that could have been written by someone. Yeah. And like I said, it's it's I think it just comes back to me believing it's not there yet. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my last point here, because we're getting ready to kind of close this out, um, is regarding the idea of the DARPA life log. Um, it strikes me that such a system is actually in place and we can see it in action in China. Have you, ter- uh, have you two heard of the social credit system? Yes. Now, now, Mike, do you remember that guy that was going around disproving the Qi martial artists in China, the actual MMA fighter guy? Yeah. Okay. His credit, his uh, uh, social credit score in China has dropped so low he can't legally take trains or planes to matches and he's having to drive. It is 
deeply frightening how little he can do now because the state backs the chi people the yeah. tai chi people <clears throat> well yeah that's because it's all tied up in their you know heritage and, oh mm-hmm. i know that the I know. china is awesome but here so that's because you know, that, that, i just saw a video where they <clears throat> were talking to him and he was talking about I, my life is fucking ruined and i'm not going to stop yeah, well, I mean, of course, that's a just a particular f- uh, fact. F- uh, damn it, can't think of the. Term <laughs> you okay? Have a stroke there for a yeah, second. No, it's a particular facet. That's what we're looking at okay. of China. Okay. Um, I mean, yes, there's no doubt that other places have, and it's a very simple. You know, the DARPA yeah. life log is kind of a simple idea. You know, you just yeah. You know, it's it's something that pretty much you know every. MMO does like for their players mm-hmm. it's it's just you know it's a date it's data points about their whole you know interaction with you know a certain system mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of inevitable I guess when you're you start thinking about a mm-hmm. system whose lifeblood is data yep so, so you know like I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I would like to talk about this as like a again, like it's another episode, especially if we go with that kind of conspiratorial yeah. element of it. Sure, but uh, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But like yeah, no, also no, it's like, okay. We're we're already running long. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Holy <laughs> crap. So um, okay, we're we're moving to the end here. So um, you, you should have known when you were starting to talk about internet stuff i'd have a little bit to say about it oh yeah no i expected that i just didn't expect you to have so much no i'm kidding i'm kidding Uh, now we've mentioned bots quite a bit so far and there's a lot more to it but i'm going to be focusing on that subject more in a future episode Mm -hmm. the artificial intelligence component of all this goes a little deeper than i can comfortably deliver in this episode especially with all the mic interjections (laughs) Um, so um i also believe it has a connection to another unsavory element of the internet where that I'll get to in that episode as well. I want to tackle bots in particular for a few reasons, namely because I think that if we were talking about AI, then we should consider the increasing role of traffic and of bots and how bots can potentially replicate. So next time we tackle the subject, we're going to talk about this idea of the inversion. Now, what I want to do here, however, is leave you with a theory that I'm building that is based on the larger dead internet theory. When we next tackle this subject, I want to explore the idea that the internet is not dead, really, but is infected with a cancer, and that cancer is taking over. That's a very good way to think of it, I think. And that's where we're ending on this one. Okay. So, I will hold off then for the next time for <laughs> no 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 I'm, i mean i think i'm I've giving made... you a hard time my dude i'm giving you a hard well, no time. i mean i'm just saying i think you know i've said what we've talked about now i think i've said my piece about well well i'm gonna be very interested to see your impressions on some of these videos for children that i'm going to be talking oh, about i, I know episode. about those videos and those do mm-hmm. Those are worrisome. Yeah. Yes. So we've got some questions. Mm-hmm. I think we have enough time if we keep the answers kind of brief. Okay. Because mm-hmm. we're at about two hours. Whoopsie. So, oopsie oh. doodle. Uh, <clears throat> so question one from Ghost Forge, because it's not a question series unless we start with Ghost Forge. 
If dead internet is real, how long do you think it'll be before the bots either hive mind into sapience or begin interacting with each other on their own initiative, kickstarting an emergent culture? Also, will Pope Sexfucker be their king? <laughs> you well, were Pope Sexfucker, Mike. I, I, I hopefully could be the AI king, but I think they'd be both smarter and dumber than that. How long? I say within ten years. Uh, ten years, we'll have a sapient hive mind of no, bots that are talking to each other. I, I think sapience has way too many problems for any, you know, current technology to really replicate. This is just I'm me gonna, guessing. I'm going to be optimistic and say within a century, like provided we can figure out a way to power a computer system that's complicated enough. And that's our main I think that's well, our main problem right now is we just cannot generate the power needed to do that well, sort of process. Well, he's saying like, you know, the, the bots just basically become a hive become mind. a hive mind and become sentient. I just I th so here's my thing is I think that it really takes. You look at the most powerful single computers we have, they don't even come close to, you know, replicating all the neurons of our rat's brain. Mm -hmm. Or I think they recently may have done that. But that's still an order of magnitude less sophisticated than, you know, human brain. Plus, there's also all these interactions we don't understand yet. I, anyway, I, I'm trying to be brief here, but uh, not mention quantum effects that may or may not happen inside. Well, you neurons. just mentioned them, but I'm saying I'm going to say it's going to take better hardware before we get there. Give me a timeline. Just just give me a amount of time. century, two centuries, thousand years. I it, at least mm, 20, 30 years. At, okay. at the at the, wow. at the low side, okay. Just just because wow. we're just now starting to have, you know, our quantum computers right now are at the level that say an IBM mainframe was in the you know eighties or seventies. Okay. So you know, given accelerated you know progression that we have now, I'd, I'd okay. say a couple of decades at least. Okay. So our next question is from Sam. Sam says, since Ghost took the safe for work slot, would the dead internet theory being real hurt or help the porn industry and why? Uh, I'm going to go with hurt because, you know, uh, AIs don't jack off. Well, mid journey, you know, mid journey, mm -hmm. the uh, mm -hmm. image generating AI bot. Well, Clark typed in sexy sex, sexing sex. And he just got this picture that looks like two greased up naked dudes, <laughs> but n it's like everything looks like it might be an orifice or an ear. So I don't think it's going to help for a while. David got a thought. Um, so like if the, if like, say for an example, an AI is able to develop tools, like I'm sure we've made, we maybe have seen like a, CGI generated video of an Overwatch character giving it to another Overwatch character probably at one I'm point. I'm not saying I've seen that, but I've seen that. 
Right. But now imagine if the and this is kind of what I'm going to get into in the next week, uh, the next episode that we do on this is that, like, imagine if the AI is able to use those tools and start creating content now with a uh, with renders that are realistic enough and that sort of thing. You know, I could see like a boom of AI generated pornography or something like that. And there would be a market for it because. So here's my thing. It's like, you say help. When we talk about the porn industry, we talk about like for profit porn industry or just porn Uh, in general. I don't know. It doesn't say. So let's go with, uh, since it's industry, let's go with for profit. I think, I think if, if the uh, dead internet is real, the, the porn would be basically be our bread and circuses. Therefore, it would hurt the porn industry because the AI is just going to give us all this great AI generated porn for free to, to placate us. Give us any, you know, porn, like have like, you know, uh, uh, trying to think of names here. (laughs) Well, let's insert, insert hot female celebrity pegging hot male celebrity with a strap on. Okay. Okay, you know, okay. Fair. And and just give it give it all those permutations for free so you know we mm-hmm. don't do anything else but look at the porn. Yeah. Okay. Well, our next question is from Kick Acetron. And this is our last question. What's the real difference between us talking to an AI versus a real person? I'm just gonna say word salad. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of there with you on that one. I mean, from it depends. Are you talking about from like telling the difference or, you know, philosophically, what's the difference? I'm going to go with telling the difference because that's the real difference is just a coherent conversation. Yeah. I mean, even you can even hold coherent conversations with some AI depending on its, you know, training, but you still are going to be able to ask it questions where it's not going to give you a, uh, it's going to give you a coherent answer, but it's going to not be a understandable or correct answer. Like if you Mm -hmm. asked it, you know, what does losing a loved one feel like? Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows what, I don't know what it would answer, but I don't think it would be, very uh right mm. i mean it, it basically comes down to a uh the freaking blade runner test the void <laughs> comp test yeah yep that's fair I david mean, oh, no, sorry, um, sorry mike no, i interrupted I, was gonna, you. I mean i think i was done i pretty I was pretty much done you know and i i kind of agreed with you there kevin but you know i think the answer is like both of you yeah uh, like i mean both of what you're saying but you know, they can string together words pretty purtily, but you know, <laughs> they 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 don't know the meaning behind what they say. Mm-hmm. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they say. All right, well, that's oh, I I know the real reason, the real way to uh, tell the difference. What? Well, no, it's the internet. Asking them if they're racist isn't going to help. No. <laughs> what if you ask it if there's stairs was, in its house? Was was Hitler right? Well, you can't oh, no. tell. That's not gonna. That's not gonna tell you nothing. They're either a bot or a four channer. <laughs> Ooh, I know. Ask them if they like Mark Zuckerberg. 
Because the AI is going to say yes, and a real person is going to say no. Because I've never met anybody that says they like Mark Zuckerberg. Well, a bot would like him because he's a robot. That's what I'm saying. A bot's going to love Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And a real person is I'm agreeing with you. No one one likes Mark Zuckerberg. That is (laughs) actually human. All right. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week with The Week in Weird, and then we'll move on to some fun topics. So, if you want to find out more about the site, and we now have a news blog thing that will be updated at least weekly. A uh, news blog? A news blog. That may be what we call it, actually. The news blog. Uh, head over to supernatpod.rocks. You can also find a link to our Discord. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at supernatpod. Where we're bots. Where we're bots, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find mm-hmm. David at HP Comic on Twitter. That's H P K O M I C. And he's it, a bot. And he's a bot. And you can find Mike the bot uh, here every week with us. Because I'm a, a deep fake. Mike is a deep fake bot. Mm-hmm. He's not even a real robot. He's a deep faked bot. So I'm a deep fake <laughs> of a bot. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. So that fractal re re uh, recessive bots. I thought you were going to say recessa Annie for some reason. Recursive. That's what I was yeah, looking recur- for. Fractal recursive bots, where it's just bots all the way down. Fractal recessa <laughs> Annies. Just, yeah. just, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We will see you next week. So until then, stay safe and stay frosty. Goodbye. Moo. I love you, my robot overlords. Beep boop. Beep boop. I'm just saying that so they don't kill me. They'll kill you. They'll spare me. You know, the RG bots are.